Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, December 30th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that says that an ugly win is still a win. A win's a win's a win. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find Russ Cohen on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about last night's game versus the Seattle Kraken with that 3-2 overtime victory. And then we're going to preview tonight's matchup against the San Jose Sharks with our special guest, Shang Peng of San Jose Hockey Now. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Sports Network. All right, Russ, so before we get into last night's game, just uh, some real breaking news from yesterday on the changes in the NHL COVID protocol, where guys can come off the list now with only five days quarantine instead of 10 with conditions. So those conditions are testing negative on a PCR test, no symptoms, or the symptoms are resolving. And of course, local authorities guidelines take precedence, aka Canada. Yeah, I mean, look, this could be a good thing. Uh, I hope it doesn't get to a point where the players don't say, don't talk about symptoms they may have so they can get out on the ice. That would be my only worry here. Otherwise, I think it's good. Yeah, and that's where I think the testing helps, right? Yeah. It helps mitigate that because the test is going to be able to help show whether or not somebody could still be contagious. And and I'm not saying it in in like a bad way, but players want to play, right? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Just from a, you know, a health and safety perspective. Yes. And speaking of health and safety, Mm. man... (laughs) World Juniors is no more. I mean, it's just, I don't know how, how to best equate this. Maybe uh, it was like 12-year-old me and, you know, you get your, your gift at holiday times and it's broken already. I don't know. It's something like that. It's somebody stole my bike. I don't know what it is, but it was a pretty awful feeling. Of course, I feel bad for the players, uh, but I, I'm selfish. I love the tournament and I love covering it. And at least I got some of it this year uh but yeah i do genuinely hope they figure out a way to reschedule it along with all the other tournaments from january that they have initially canceled and we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that and and seeing you know what additional information comes out already we've been hearing rumblings from some of the federations about you know poor planning on the hockey federation's part but uh there's certainly more to the story yeah i got into a little detail on my on my twitter feed about the hotel end of it that wasn't great and they they certainly could have could have done more uh date wise it looks like it would have to be in june at some point for the world juniors for the other events not sure 
But for World Juniors, it would have to be somewhere between June and very early July. Like, that would be it. So we'll see if that happens. We'll know in a month. Yep. And then another weird little piece of information to add to the weirdness of the game last night is that (laughs) uh, according to Cap Friendly, the Flyers uh, put Sean Couturier on IR retroactive to December 18th. I thought it was maybe to save Cap space since we know he's hurt anyway. I mean, Yo said as much. And so they might as well deal with that while he's out with COVID. It seems like that would be the reason they did that. Yeah, at this point, it's just, you know, I give Claude Giroux credit. He was just like, listen, we're we're not going to make excuses. Everybody's in the same boat. Okay, well, we'll see how long that goes. But it went for tonight, so. So let's talk about that game. Man, uh, you know, we were just talking before we started recording, saying we wished that they played the entire game the way that they played the last five minutes of regulation, you know, with some life in them. But... You know, I I do think there were some bright spots amongst the lack of possession for most of the game. Yeah. Uh, I I do think that once again, you know, Travis Sanheim and Rasmus Ristolainen were the bedrock of the defensive core for the bulk of the game. Sanheim especially, I think, played pretty well. Yeah, he had a nice game. Uh, You know, we talked about when we set this game up that the Dave Hackstall way um, was going to be probably easy for his team to play, no matter missing the players or not. And the Flyers definitely got sucked into that. Uh, we also did, or I remember at least me, but could have been both of us talking about JVR saying it would be a good time for him to, you know, start showing up this season. He did. So yeah. that was a positive. And interestingly, you know, we talked specifically about his power play positioning. Yes. And that how he'd been drifting back toward the slot a little bit and not exactly net yeah. front. Well, he did the exact same thing and got a power play goal from the I know. Slot. He was in the slot, too. It was, you know, yeah. it's lucky he got the goal because I really, I'd have given it to him otherwise. But you're right. It just, we know these players, or at least yeah. him. And he, you know, he's not going net front. That was the thing. You'll never put net front again because he's not going net front. No, and, you know, his second goal that was really well-timed was a a really solid shot. I mean, I think he's doing well from that area on the ice, clearly. No, he is. He is. And and we got to give Claude Giroux credit. He passes Bill Barber, second all-time on the Flyers list. But now he's got a big guy to chase in Bobby Clark. So we'll see how that goes for all-time points. I think, you know, other than... Obviously, we want to give kudos to Martin Jones, who had a tremendous game. He had a really good game, yeah. And his rebound control was real solid. Like I was, that was the best I've seen him all year. So smart. Even in three on three, yeah. Yeah, like maybe once did he give up a rebound where I was like, oh no. (laughs) But compared to his last game, where mm -hmm. he gave up three or four bad ones, so no, this he really battened down the hatches on this. I mean, I'll already make the prediction. He He's playing tomorrow night. It's almost a guarantee. Yeah, we shall see. Still don't know, even as of post-game. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to act all mysterious there, Mike, yo. Um, I do want to talk about some of the things they really need to work on from this game as well. And I think one of which was obvious in that they were doing too much of chipping the puck in from the blue line. So they would skate up to the blue line, 
chip the puck in to try and get around Seattle's defensemen and then have no support when the guy was chasing after it. Right. If you don't have the numbers there, you're not going to get possession. And and that's the thing that Haxtell does. He makes sure his guys get to the pucks first and they get it out of the zone quickly. And, you know, for a little while there, you know, it becomes a track meet. So I don't know if that's going to be as much of an issue with um, with the Sharks. Right. I think, you know, on the other side of the ice, you know, defensively, they let Seattle come through the neutral zone with speed just like at will for most of the yes. game. Oh, yeah. And we're just kind of lined up at the blue line to, positionally to try and defend from in their own zone instead of trying to prevent the puck from getting into the zone. And I, I just thought that was, you know, leading to most of the possession problem. Yeah. No, I think you're right. That's spot on. So I think, you know, we obviously want to end on a high note with this since they did win the game. And man, that Ivan Provorov game winner in OT was just beautiful. And what a pass from Kevin Hayes. Yeah, Hayes really threaded the needle on that. And again, those kinds of passes, those kinds of goals for Provorov, they only happen in three on three like that. They do. That's the one thing I don't like about three on three. But hey, you know, that's the play you got to make. And he made it. So it was pretty. It really was, and I hope that is a confidence booster for him going into the next stretch of games as well. Got beard, get primal. You heard me right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who's never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. This goal is to help others look good and live healthier lives through the use of natural oils. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Prime and Origin Oils are renowned as the best feel in the beard products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the USA. The combo kits make a great holiday gift and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. Most companies focus on fragrance first and that leads to a product that doesn't feel good on the skin. We took a step back and focused on the ingredients first to ensure a product that feels great and smells fantastic. You know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and feel in beard to the other companies you've used. We promise you will see and feel the difference. Remember the lockdown gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Use the code LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. They've got nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts, including us. Listen on your favorite podcast platform, or you can watch it on YouTube. All right, so to preview tonight's Hockey After Dark matchup against the San Jose Sharks, we are so thrilled to welcome to the show Shang Peng from San Jose Hockey Now. Welcome. Hey, guys, what's up? How are you? Pretty good. Uh, just uh, uh, working my way through uh, California traffic. It's actually raining here. And as you guys may have heard, uh, Californians, including myself, do not know how to drive with a little bit of rain. So it's a challenge. <laughs> Drive safe. (laughs) All right. So getting started, um, just want to get a sense of what the current sentiment is around the Sharks right now. You know, they got off to such a strong start, but have maybe wobbled a little bit in the past several weeks. 
Yeah, um, I think uh, it's very much wait and see still. Uh, there are a couple of things that have happened that look real uh, and are important for the Sharks if they want to you know, move forward with this team. Timo Meyer is off to a torrid start and it looks legit. Uh, he's been consistently the Sharks' best forward on a night-to-night basis. So he looks like he's taken a leap and become a first-line, you know, elite winger, at least in my mind. Yeah, well, he's, 20, he's 25. It's a good age. Um, he Look, he had high draft stock. He has always been a talented player. I, I felt like he's been getting better every year. Anyhow, and I'm, guess you, I'm guessing you did too. Well, he's actually had a couple of down years, you know, a couple of years ago, 2018-19, he scored 30 goals as a 22-year-old and was signed to a, a six, uh, a four-year, $24 million deal. If you remember that RFA class that year, too, that's one of the more uh, famous RFA forward classes. Uh, Matthew Kachuk was in it, uh, Bars, um, I'm sorry, uh, Line A was in it. Uh, so a number of uh, top guys in that uh, top in, in that class, and I thought myself that Meyer belonged, and he's not a guy who's mentioned in that group of players. Uh, but I thought that he belonged at least at the lower end of the scale of those top young forwards that were coming into, you know, coming off their sort of bridge deals or signing bridge deals. Well, he's, he's scoring. He's scoring more than Line. Eh? We we could say that. That's true. That's true, right? He's definitely done better than uh, than uh, than Line A there. But uh, but anyway, he's had a couple of tough seasons actually, uh, at least for a player of his talent. And I think the Sharks were expecting him to kind of lead the team uh, over the last two years, and it hasn't really happened. He's been sort of a secondary player, a talented but a secondary player, and that's not what they expected of him. Uh, but this year, he has taken sort of the the bull by the horns. And the other guy is Eric Carlson. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to last. He's on a little bit of a shooting bender right now. Uh, but uh, on a night-to-night basis, I will say that this is the best Eric Carlson that I've seen since two, since 2018-19, his first year with the Sharks. And I don't know. I don't think he's playing at quite. Some people are kind of talking him up for the Norris. I don't know if I quite see that. But I do see a much better Eric Carlson. And so you can do a lot uh, with that, with a elite winger like a Meyer and Eric Carlson that's playing at least a uh, facsimile of a prime Eric Carlson. So let me ask you, um, Kevin LeBanc, he's a guy I've, I've tracked for a long time. I mean, I admit it, I'm a former New Yorker and he's from, and he's from Brooklyn. So, uh, you know, that always caught my eye. And then he grew up in Staten Island. And, and so I, I've kept track of him. And, I, and he definitely did the Sharks a favor the one year with the cheap contract. But mm-hmm. this year his production's down. And so I'm wondering if you have an idea as to why. I think a lot of it is uh, from the beginning uh, this year, he's been placed in a bottom six role. And it's not like you can't score from there, but uh, you got to be a certain type of player to do that. And Kevin hasn't proven the, to be that, to be that guy who can be the best player on a line to kind of drive play. I know that he has some of the, the nice fancy stats that suggest that he should be able to drive play, but he hasn't really uh, done that. You know, he's, he's been in his career sort of when he's been at his best, he's been sort of a complimentary player. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but he's been a complimentary player mm-hmm. to uh, uh, Joe Thornton uh, in 2018, 19, when uh, that was Thornton's last impact year. Um, and last year he had some success uh, playing 
line with Logan Couture and Evander Kane when that was the Sharks' top line. And Kevin LeBanc is not the best player on that line either. And I think in that sense, uh, LeBanc's game works. Uh, but this year, though, he was charged with, uh, paired with Nick Bonino. And I think the hope was that those two could uh, really, uh, uh, you know, supercharge the Sharks' third line. And they haven't had good third line production and you know, a long, long time. And I think the hope was that those two together could, uh, could, and it made sense, you know, uh, with, with uh, LeBanc, you have a guy who's average half a point a game, has scored 50 points before. Uh, Benito's been an excellent third line center over his career. For me, he's been dropping. For me, he's been dropping the last couple of years, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think he's lost a little bit of a step, so that's true. He does not the Nick. Yeah, very good point. He does not the Nick Benino from uh, the Pittsburgh uh, the Stanley Cup years, or the Sharks wouldn't have gotten him for two years and four point four million. But he's still a pretty talented player that can do mm-hmm. a lot for you. Um, you know, if you uh, you know maybe don't count him quite as much. And so I think the hope was that they could play together and pair together well, um, and maybe LeBanc could get Benino the puck in some good areas where. Benito can finish. Benito does have some finishing ability, um, but it just didn't manifest itself over the the first few games of the season. And you know, Nick Benito actually, I think he started the season uh, the first 18 games of the year. He had uh, zero points, which is pretty tough uh, out of your yeah. uh, third line center. You're not going to win a lot of games. The Sharks did manage to, but you're not. It's not a long term recipe for success. And so LeBanc and Benito obviously didn't work early in the year. And LeBanc did get some power play time, but it's hard to kind of feast only off your power play. And, uh, you know, Bugner, Bob Bugner has been pretty uh, uh, straightforward with uh, when he talks about Kevin and just sort of, you know, uh, Kevin's uh, Kevin hasn't quite, I think, in at least in Bob Bugner's eyes, picked up the notion that you got to play the other side of the ice just as well as the offensive side. And also, too, playing the other way uh, helps inform your offense, helps get you offensive opportunities. And that hasn't quite uh, clicked for LeBanc yet. I think that's part of it. Uh, but I think the long and short of it probably, too, is just that LeBanc has not been put in an optimal scoring position, but also, too, yeah. he hasn't earned it either. You know, he didn't blow anyone's doors off where Bob Bookner has says, like, oh, okay, well, we got to play him with Tommy Hurdle or Logan Couture to kind of uh, maximize him. But, yeah, so I think that's the long and short of it overall. Uh, switching gears a little bit to the defensive side of things, you talked a little bit about Eric Carlson and his, you know, mm-hmm. return to form but, you know, what does the rest of the Sharks defensive core look like? And really, what I'm asking is, who should the Flyers look to score against? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe everybody else, you know, so. <laughs> but, um, you know, Brent Burns started off the season actually pretty strong. And I give I give Brent Burns a lot of credit. Uh, Brent Burns has changed his game over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. has become sort of a shutdown guy. He and Mario Farrell have become sort of the shutdown pairing for the Sharks out of necessity because uh, Mark Edward Vlasic's game has faded so much. And, Car- and Carlson, too, was having a pretty tough time last year. And so it's not the ideal shutdown pairing because that's just not Brent Burns' ideal game. But Burns has right. done okay managing his game and not taking chances that he would used to because can't afford to anymore. But um, I would say over the last 15 games or so, he and Farrell have 
you know, been a, been a little bit rougher. Um, and who knows, you know, when anytime you get to uh, Brent Burns' age, you think he's 36, people, there's those whispers start to happen. Um, but I'm not sure if he, I'm not going to say that he's done yet or anything like that, but there's been a little bit of a struggle. And so uh, he's still playing those big minutes and he has his track record and maybe he won't be the 20 goal guy anymore, but he can still play some good hockey. And he did play very good hockey, like I said, in the first month, month and a half of the season, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I mentioned Ferraro. Uh, Ferraro is sort of the up and comer guy for the Sharks. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, lot of energy. Um, you know, he's a guy who's really outperformed his, I think, his draft expectations, uh, the expectations of, you know, every fan, you know, because he's a guy that didn't score a lot in college and people put a lot of stock, you know, when you're in juniors in college and what your scoring is and, and that sort of thing. He's a guy that proves that you don't need to score a lot at a lower level to come into NHL and be really, really effective. And he has been by and large been very effective, but he's also a guy, you know, again, because of the decline of some of the Sharks defensemen, uh, where ideally he probably is in a top floor somewhere on a better team, but maybe he shouldn't be your top pairing defenseman. But either way, though, he and Burns are your shutdown pair. And so they do their best and they've done, I think, by and large with what they've had to work with considering the goaltending, the the issues with Sharks forward depth. They've done they've done a decent job. Um, and then uh, you have a bottom pairing of uh, Vlasic and uh, and Shimmick, a very expensive bottom pairing. I might add about nine million dollars. I was going to yeah, say. Okay. Yeah, they're okay, but um, you know they're they're you know they're playing about 13, 14 minutes a night, which uh, is about what they deserve probably, and they can still play, give you some good minutes, both of them. But uh, they're not uh, necessarily uh, intimidating, though. Uh, you know, if you're if you're the Flyers, for sure. We'll have more with Shang Pang covering the San Jose Sharks in a minute. But first, Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. So. Let's talk about one of your other defensemen. Uh, when Rachel and I were at a game in MSG, I ran into some of the people in the shark scouting department. So of course, mm-hmm. when I when I talk to those guys, you would think I'm talking to them about Timo Meyer and everything else, but no, I'm talking sure. to them about Jacob Middleton. Oh and yes, mm-hmm. Jacob Middleton, like the last player taken in his draft, uh, giving really good NHL minutes, and I know they got him from the Kings. But the Kings, I give Kings credit. They always know how to scout um, defensemen. But the Sharks are very good at player development. And I think when you look at someone like Middleton, that's about player development because they've got him to the NHL level. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, like how comfortable do you think he's in that role? Because I think like when you play against a team like the Flyers, he's going to be pretty physical against them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's been, uh, I think, uh, a great partner for Eric Carlson. I think it's one of those things with those two where uh, sort of the sum is greater than the individual parts in a way where their games blend together well. And so Jake Middleton watched him over the years. He's always skated uh, pretty well for a big man, and he's always defended pretty well too. But uh, his uh, kind of his uh, puck moving ability was very, very rough, I think. And I think obviously playing with a Carlson can fill in for a lot of that, right? And so take a lot of pressure off of a Jake Middleton there. So Jake Middleton can excel at what he excels at, which is defending and uh, being physical. And guess what? Eric Carlson has had trouble with the last couple of years. You know, Eric Carlson has had issues defending, especially off the rush. And so a guy like Middleton helps to mitigate that a little bit. And also Eric Carlson has never been the most physical of players, obviously. And so Middleton helps kind of fill that in. And so I think those guys have really worked well together. And just overall with the Sharks, got to give them credit. Um, you know, as much as people, and it's fair, you know, the bad contracts that they sign, uh, being out of the playoffs two years in a row, but they continue to have a gift of uh, finding uh, these players and kind of molding them into something that is usable at the NHL level. One thing to follow up on with Ferraro. So he played at UMass with Cal McCarr and, you know, when you have a camel car, you don't get to be that offense. Right. He had some somewhat decent numbers, but he always was a good skater and he had a physical side to him too. Now it does seem like a little bit of offense is starting to come through on him, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they're, they're, the, those tools are there. I mean, he's never going to be a uh, top power, power play guy, but can, no. can he be, you know, a guy like Vlasic, right? Vlasic, over the years, you know, a lot of people bemoan, oh, why is Mark Everett Vlasic on a power play? I'm talking about Vlasic in his prime. Vlasic's a very smart puck mover. Vlasic knows where to, at least in his prime, he, he knew where to to distribute the puck and that's a skill that you can learn and that's something that Ferraro is learning and so I think that's a definitely a path where and they already use Ferraro from time to time on the second power play unit and uh, with his skating ability and you know eventually if he learns some refinement in terms of his puck distribution mm -hmm. and that sort of thing uh, yeah very much can see him being that kind of that kind of guy someone that you can you know use to shut top top uh, top lines and uh, use on your second unit power play. So moving over to goaltending, uh, James Reimer has actually had a pretty good season for the Sharks so Except far. Except for last night, yeah. Well, yes. Last, <laughs> last night was a crazy game. I don't even know what happened in that game versus Arizona for either team, to be honest. But um, do you think we'll see him in net or like what else is going on with Sharks goaltending? Well, if you don't see him in net, you're going to see Zachary Sachenko's uh, NHL debut, and uh, that's not something that the Sharks want to see. No, uh, no offense to Zachary there, and so because Aiden Hill is in COVID protocol, so uh, so James Reimer uh, better be ready to go uh, tomorrow night, and hopefully the Sharks can help him out and not allow 47 shots to the Flyers. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of shots. My last question <laughs> for you, Shang, is um, with the Flyers, a team that's going to try and have the puck a little bit more. Uh, they've been trying to do that with Mike Yo, trying to own the puck mm -hmm. a little more, trying to have better puck possession. Are the Sharks the team to do that against, or are the Sharks good at disruption? The Sharks aren't so strong. Uh, you know, they, they do allow their, their fair share of cycle chances. But what the Sharks do do well, uh, they may let you possess the puck, but uh, they do a good job of kind of defending the home plate area. Uh, the mm -hmm. Sharks are... Um, 
before last night because last night was a mess. <laughs> I haven't even looked at the sport logic sheet yet for uh, for the Flyers preview <laughs> because of the of how how to, how crazy and wacky the Arizona game was. Uh, seven goals allowed on like forty six shots or something like that for the Sharks, but uh, into the Coyotes of all teams too. But anyway, the Sharks are going into it were uh, I believe a fifth or sixth in quality chances allowed, and so they do a good job of kind of protecting that inner slot area. That's sort of their emphasis, and so I think against the Flyers what they're going to try to do is they're going to let the flyers kind of carry a little bit of course they're going to try to to you know to to uh to to bust in and and break up the cycle but uh i think the flyers will have their possession time but uh the flyers should have if the sharks are playing the right way uh, and defending well the flyers are going to have tough uh, uh kind of have tough luck uh breaking that inner slot area that's something that the flyers need some work on so maybe they'll have to try and get some goals from other spots. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Though, again, though, the Sharks, you know, they struggled against Arizona last night. And you can't really draw a trend trend line because their previous two games before last night were December 16th and 14th. So there's a 12-day break in between. But they were losses to teams that, are chasing the Sharks, uh, Seattle and Vancouver. Uh, right. Very unimpressive, underwhelming performances. So if the Sharks are kind of uh, uh, slumping uh, a little bit here, then obviously the Flyers can't take advantage. Uh, but, you know, for the Sharks uh, to a man last night, even though they got the win, uh, it was, you know, as disappointing a win as you'll ever see. Uh, the Sharks were... You know, I don't know if horrified is the right word, but uh, I was horrified watching how they defended against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, my favorite Coyote stat, just to show you what kind of team the Coyotes are, is that the Coyotes have had a lead going into the third period this year once. Once. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're 1-0-0 in the, uh, by, by, with the lead after two periods, by the way. But but that's pretty ridiculous. Just to give you a comparison, the Sharks, you know, an uh, average team, uh, they've gone into a third period uh, with a lead uh, 11 times, counting last night. And that's about where, you know, you should be, double digits in yeah. that number at this point in the season. And so, anyway, so to, to watch the Coyotes do what they did to the Sharks last night, but also drawing, uh, you know, maybe unfair trend line to their performances before the COVID uh, Christmas uh, break. Um, there might be some issue in San Jose, but we'll see. You know, this is going to be a big response game for the Sharks. So the Sharks may come out gangbusters uh, against uh, against a Flyers team that I know that they recognize as more competition. Yeah, it, it could be. And, you know, the Flyers will be on the second half of a back-to-back for this road trip. So Are we getting be- Martin Jones tomorrow? We don't know, but probably not, I would say, because... Oh, uh, is he Car- playing tonight against Seattle? Yeah, because yeah, Carter Hart is on the COVID list. Oh. So Jones has to play versus Seattle, and it's it's a wait-and-see game, but my guess They're is... They're leaving gonna... it up in the air. Yeah. yeah. Oh, who, who's the backup then now uh, with... Uh, Felix Sandstrom. Uh... Okay, okay. I mean, is he... You know, uh, Zach Sarchenko, again, like I said, uh, he's a guy... Uh, Zero NHL games, wasn't drafted, uh, you know, uh, played in the Canadian college system. You know, these are not earmarks of a guy that is, uh, you know, the Sharks are like, you know, uh, 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 chomping on a bit to start. But Sandstrom, I know, is a bit more of a prospect. Uh, and yeah, so he has a he better in- pedigree than that. Yeah. Um, but no NHL games. So they're oh, going to really? see. Okay. Yeah, they're going to see. I'm not sure Mike Yo is going to play Sandstrom. Uh, I think he's going to fall back and play Jones. He just doesn't want to say it yet. 
Ah, I see. I see. Okay. Well, that that will be uh, be interesting because yeah, uh, the Martin Jones story in San Jose. Well, that's worthy of its own podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Shay. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yes, I wanted to pass on the good news too. I've made it home. I survived the California rain, guys. Awesome. Excellent. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. <laughs> and I wish you a happy new year, my friend. Yes, yes. Happy new year to both of you. Uh, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. All right. Once again, thank you so much to Shang Peng for joining us on the show. So much good stuff about the sharks. Very intrigued to see how this one plays out. Yeah, he's he's a delight. Like he he just gives you so much information and it's a great conversation and yeah, we will see how it goes. I mean, the Sharks are an interesting team, so you can't take them lightly. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. As a reminder, we'll be back again on Monday. We're taking tomorrow off for the New Year's holiday. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, yes. On Monday, we will be talking about both the Sharks game and the Kings game. And it's Monday, so we'll have our nemesis of the week, which is always a good time. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russum at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Once again, Happy New Year and have a great day.